Cheers. 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 Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Lara Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. Valentina Garza, writer on Jane the Virgin. Well, actually, like, what is your real title? You're a... I'm a consulting producer. Consulting producer. Yes. (laughs) And so we thought it would be fitting to bring a menage a trois silk soft red wine blend. But what really sold me for this conversation was the description. (laughs) Experience menage a trois silk, a smooth, seductive red blend that caresses you with every sip. The seamless, lustrous blend of Pinot Noir, Malbec, and Petit Syrah glides gracefully across your palate like silk. It's the lavish, luxurious experience you've been craving. I love it. So what better than to start off a conversation on sexuality, religion, and the media. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. I couldn't have written it better myself. Exactly. (laughs) So welcome to another episode of Fishers of Men. We are here in the home, graciously, with Valentina Garza, who, again, writes, or I guess is officially the consulting producer, a consulting producer Writer producer. Yeah. Writer producer for Jane the Virgin, which is one of the big hits on TV right mm-hmm. now. You guys are starting into season four, just rec- um, um, shooting, shooting, right season, shooting four. season four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And she was just telling us right before, when we got here that her and her son were able to be extras, I guess, perks of being a writer. Yeah. <laughs> we got to be background players um, in episode 402. Ooh. So you can look for that. It's very exciting. <laughs> very cool. Awesome. So we're here today because as a writer and producer on Jane the Virgin, it's based on a woman who is described as a devout Catholic who is a virgin, who makes a promise to her her grandmother to stay a virgin until marriage and then is accidentally, artificially inseminated. Uh, Spoiler alert, but not really because that's the pilot. (laughs) And and thus becomes impregnated with somebody's, somebody else's... A stranger's baby. Basically a stranger, but then you find out that they had this one kiss five years prior. So, dun-dun-dun. And then their stories interweave and... Yeah. But anyway, fantastic, definitely for a mainstream audience. However, because of Fishers of Men, our podcast, wanting to deal with these intersections of faith and sexuality, we just thought we'd like to talk more about that, that part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, just some, some background. I met you at, in May of this year at the Bioli Media Conference, and it, you were on a panel called Women in Film. Mm-hmm moderated by Professor Lisa Swain, and there was Tracy Blackwell, who is a executive for CW, there was Megan Good, who wrote The Weight with Devon Franklin, who of course, they're, you know, one of the big power couples of Hollywood, and then yourself. This panel of just powerful women in the industry who are writers, producers, actors, and then 
it was hilarious because I don't know if I'm being unfair to my own sex, but inevitably it's, it went the way of talking about relationships okay. and not sex passing the Bechdel and test. all of that because <laughs> of course, Megan Good's book in, right. is about yeah. waiting till marriage, which yeah. is not the most popular stance mm -hmm. in a secular society. Right. And then of course, Jane the Virgin, just its premise alone is very- It's very countercultural. Absolutely. Definitely. So we wanted to talk about just the approach to that. If you wouldn't mind just going into the origin of how this was pitched in a room. I mean, how do you talk about a, a devout Catholic being a virgin? Like that's not a popular thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and then how would, how was this show how did it come into fruition? Right, well, I'll start by saying that I joined the show in season three, so mm -hmm. I really can't Sweet. speak to sort of the origin of the show or, or um, exactly what, I've never really had a conversation with the creator, Jenny Snyder Ehrman, about why she, mm -hmm. she chose to tell this story, but I do know that she's particularly interested in exploring relationships between women and their mothers. And so oh. I know that this was also adapted from a Venezuelan format. Mm -hmm. So it just makes sense that in a Latina family that is multi-generational, that there would be somebody <laughs> who's probably Catholic. So Alba, the matriarch of the family, definitely has a very strong Catholic and moral background that she is imprinting on her, her granddaughter and that kind of skips generation because she ended up having a very wild daughter. And so for me, as an audience member and a fan, before I became a writer of the show, I, f I felt like there was just so much immediate resonance mm -hmm. uh, with the pilot as a person of faith and a person of color, a person who yeah. came very much from this kind of family. You know, I grew up in a home with my single mother and my grandmother. And mm. in a lot of ways, like Alba's attitude and narrative about female sexuality was very similar to kind of what I got. Right. Like we Latinas don't really talk about sex. They just tell you not to have it if you're a woman. So it's right, just like right. they don't explain how it happens. You're supposed to figure that out on your own sometimes, but just yeah. but don't. Yeah. <laughs> but don't. So anyway, so I felt like there was a lot of resonance with that culturally. I think that probably kind of grounding it in a reality of a culture and what this family would be like and wanting to explore those relationships between the, the three generations of women probably was what kind of brought some of this stuff to fruition for, for the creator. Cool. I had to guess. <laughs> sure, and as you came in late to the game, how are you, how do you feel like as a believer sitting in that writer's room? Like if I, if I can ask, like is it, it's probably mostly not, so are you right. the only believer in the room are you or I know that our writer's assistant is Catholic <laughs> and there are some people that that grew up in the Catholic faith um, sure. that aren't particularly I wouldn't say devout at this right. time I feel like I may be the only person that's really kind of a person who's kind of living out some right practicing faith and, walk right. even though I do it very imperfectly yeah, <laughs> myself do, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time I feel you know it, it, it's an incredible room it feels like a very safe room where I can absolutely be myself and be known as a mother as a person of faith as a sexual being there are a lot of women in the room yeah. so it really makes for very frank conversations and I think that's one of the things that makes the show really great is that people come at it with a lot of honesty and we're just willing to have like these very open frank conversations and 
and bring the bring experiences from our lives to uh, to the show, and I think that's what really makes it so emotionally resonant yeah. in some ways. And and the other thing that I that I would say is that even as a a person of faith, I, I I'm not coming into it with an agenda other than yeah. being honest. And yeah. as a person of faith, I struggle with like this you know, what, what the stance is on the church, you know, the church's sure. stance is on different things, you know, whatever. Like, I just sure. have a, a real sense of, like, the imperfection of that, mm-hmm. too. So I feel like we always try to explore topics with a sense of reality and not with a sense of judgment. So saying that this is good or bad, but it, that it's just a reality of certain people. And so, you know, different people on the show have different beliefs. Alba has a belief. Zoe has belief, Jane has belief, Roth yeah. has belief. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Roth, Roth's belief is that he does not believe. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so we just yeah. really have a range of like people with very different moral compasses and things. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like then that there's not an intention to kind of make the stories go one way or another and more just like telling a story and being honest? Or is there some sort of element of like, well, figuring out what we want to say and then trying to manip not I don't want to say to manipulate but like right you know no I mean I think we do kind of we figure out what kind of stories we want to tell and then we we know that we've created these characters that are going to respond based on whatever those belief systems are that mm-hmm. they have and so if we want to do a story about something we have to be very honest about how that how, what that response is going to be so if we're going to do a story about Zoe getting an abortion, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Alba is going to have a very specific response to that, or a journey about that, because she has had different points in her life where she's made decisions that she was honest about, then lied about, then whatever. She's had to grapple with some right. of these things, and it's been a journey, and it still is. And so, and that also is going to affect the intimacy and the dynamic in that relationship too. So so as we are thinking about stories that we want to tell, I don't think there's a lot of manipulation because you're really coming at it from a sense of understanding the characters and their truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to write. I mean, she's more the writer than I am. But, you know, when you get to know your characters really well and you let the story kind of play out, I think that is a more honest way to tell stories than right. trying to, like, fit it into an agenda. But... Is it okay if we talk about specific things? Because I know that one of the things that came up was regarding... Yeah, that was a really big thing that yeah. people is talked that okay about and wanted to know. Is it okay talk about <laughs> that? And then, obviously, you can edit out anything. Yeah, more. we might have to control Z a lot of this conversation. <laughs> but let's try. That's, that's fine. And you sure. absolutely can tell us uh, what. But I know some specific questions. Yeah, well, I guess to tie it back into what we were talking about, I guess one challenge of trying to present the truth of lots of different perspectives is that it seems like maybe things not may not get treated as thoroughly as they could be or you know may get wrapped up a little bit so that was kind of the feedback that I was hearing about that story point in particular just that it is so important in real life and yet on the show it came off as basically nothing like it was wrapped up in kind of I think one episode or maybe two and then they kind of were basically like well we'll just agree to disagree and then go on and it wasn't even like a big choice or necessarily a big thing in their relationship but I understand 
from a writing perspective of how like you have a whole arc throughout a show and there's like a, throughout a season and there's a lot that you have to kind of be juggling and keeping in the air. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see if we could talk about that. I guess I don't sure. really have an because ex- it seems to be I because guess... well basically what the the question was uh, from our listeners was was the abortion introduced in the first place to try like was that choice politically motivated in the first place to try to like balance out the show i don't i don't think so no (laughs) i wouldn't say that but but i think again speaking to kind of the reality of the characters i think obviously this is a very complicated issue and people have abortions for very different reasons right and i think for Zoe, it really wasn't an issue that she needed to ponder or think about. She mm-hmm. had Jane when she was 16, and then her life became about raising that human being. And she's very proud of who that person has become. But at the same time, at this point in her life, she knows that she is not willing to take that journey again. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was kind of a cut and dry decision because yeah. it was very clear. And that Zoe. was very clear that she did not want kids again. And, right. Yeah. And so for Alba, it was a more complicated issue because there was a time where she told mm-hmm. Zoe to have an abortion, yeah. you know, and, and that went against her own, obviously her own moral compass, but there are times when even people of faith yeah. decide... Yeah this is the reality of my life and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to choose for yeah. what's practical sometimes. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, Alba absolutely regretted ever feeling that way because mm-hmm. she feels like Jane is one of the biggest blessings in her life. For and sure. so it was almost a bigger journey for Alba than it was for Zoe, mm-hmm. but it was an opportunity for growth in their relationship. So I feel like it's not so much that we're tying, tying it up in a neat bow, but I think it was maybe we're putting the emphasis on something else, on the yeah. relational dynamics that right. um, that question brought up rather than the decision because, mm-hmm. you know, for some people that decision is going to be pretty easy and cut yeah. and dry too. Other people are really going to think long and hard about that. Mm-hmm. Jane yeah, thought yeah. long and hard about it, right. but Jane isn't so. so. Yeah. Right. Well, and that was the other comment, though, that Jane didn't seem to have an opinion or intervene in any way. Like... Um, she was just kind of like, whatever you whatever mm-hmm. about it. Do you have a comment on Jane's reaction or, you know, or lack of, or, you know. Because yeah. it was more with the relational aspect of, of like Alba and, and Zoe. Because it and seems like, like she's just like more Jane. in the middle between Alba mm-hmm. and Zoe trying to kind of keep the peace. And, yeah. and she does that through a lot of episodes. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that. If there's anybody who's in a position to understand how complicated this issue is for mm-hmm. Zoe, it's probably Jane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I feel like whatever her belief system is, I understand that she doesn't, that she wouldn't want to judge it. And and I think as the child that Zoe had, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. that interrupted that life, I think she also probably really, I, I think that she's just very empathetic to the fact sure. that her mom is at the place that she is in in her in her life and can have and is able to have a lot of empathy and yeah. compassion for for Zoe and a lot of respect for her her decisions. So at least I, I hope that that's <laughs> yeah how that yeah. came across. What I do respect about the show is that it's like it's called Jane the Virgin, but it's not obviously as the seasons progress. It's not so much about 
Jane and her sexuality as it is like the relationship she does have with these and I love that it is multi-generational mm -hmm. I love that the depiction of some minorities there are they are women they are trying to deal with some issues and their relationship with one another and mm -hmm. I do love that and I love yeah. that the show is really that's what the heart of the show is because Alba for sure right is a lot of the rock for well I guess they they support one another which is really great to yeah see. to Jane the Virgin, mm -hmm. uh, let's back up into like Jane's reasonings to stay virgin. It, like we open with her holding a flower, a flower <laughs> and crumpling it and having the fear of God almost like literally right. be put into her by Alba's fearsome talk. So we just wanted to talk about that because it just seemed like a lot of the motivations of like staying a virgin was more emphasized on fear and shame. and shame versus even just chastity and like it, it doesn't seem like it ever is talked about outside of just like the technicality of virginity mm -hmm. and yeah. I know that was a lot of questions from from people yeah. and not trying to judge it one way or another but mm -hmm. just as, as a general discussion about our generation or just you know in modern day like when we talk about virginity there's always a lot of like how far is too far or how far can I go and it's not the motivations of the heart to be postured towards chastity per se you know it's like the, it's always a, a question of technicality versus actual purity or chastity right I mean I think it's also this is completely just Valentina speaking I think mm. it's just an incredibly complicated and frustrating situation that we are in as a society because mm. we're trying to have biblical values in a society that is like in no way remotely right. similar. Like yeah. right. in biblical times, you were 15 and you were having children. You were at the prime of your sure. human sexuality and you were having sure. kids and now you will live twice over <laughs> before you even think about getting married. Oh, and yeah. so that is a, that's a really complicated thing to oh, have yeah. to manage. So. Just starting out with that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. I think that it's fascinating because I, I feel like that moment, my grandmother did not have a flower, but that moment where Alba crushes the flower and she and she is just saying that's what happens with your Yeah. When you lose virginity, your virginity. When you lose yeah. your virginity. Um, that perspective I feel like is very common. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like without the flower, I feel like I got that message. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, and my family is just like, keep your legs closed, keep your legs yeah. closed. It's like the mantra, you know. But I think that absolutely that generation of women, especially coming from that culture, and even even today, I'm not I'm not saying that that perspective is obsolete by any stretch of the imagination. But I I just feel like. Shame is a significant motivator. Oh, yeah. um, shame, when you're talking about virginity, when you're talking about ab abortions, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like there are people that like, oh, I will be, I will be stigmatized, kicked out of my family, yeah. I'll be, whatever, yeah. I will be disowned if I do this. And so sadly, that is still very much a reality yeah. for women and the onus of sexuality even though it's something that requires two people, it's often just right. on, on the female. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, was there a discussion, or maybe this happened before you came into the writer's room, yeah. uh, but about like 
Jane's reasons and whether she might have her own reasons or... Well, I think that Jane does have her own, you know, moral compass. She's been with Michael and there's been pressure and it gets heated in the pilot. Mm, right. But she's like, right, right. I can't do this because she's, she's made a decision, but mm. she's also made a promise. And that promise is really important to her. She really values that relationship and she doesn't want to disappoint her grandmother. Right. So, I mean, we don't say she doesn't want to disappoint God. But yeah, <laughs> but that's it's part of her, yeah. Yeah. Her, her journey. At the same time, I think I was on the show season three when we when Jane has sex with Michael within the confines of marriage. Right. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I felt like that was the episode that made me most proud mm. to work on this show because I felt like First of all, there was a lot of that that female conversation in the room about our our first times, our experiences, yeah. our shame, our yeah. expectations, all of those things. You know, the married women were like, "Yep, it's got to be over in like ten seconds, <laughs> and it's going to be disappointing, and it's not going to be gratifying." You right. know, and right. but it was like it was important to us to kind of represent that with honesty, yeah. even in a show that is a hundred percent a fairy tale yeah. about romance. Yes, <laughs> yes, tell know that Right. Yeah, yeah. So that was really important and, and just that moment where Jane is breaking down next to Zoe, saying that so much of her identity mm. was caught up in being yeah. a virgin. Right. And yeah. Zoe tells her, You're not losing a part of your identity, you're gaining a whole other part of your identity as a sexual person. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that's such good messaging to young women oh, yeah. because I feel like regardless of whether we have a religious faith or yeah. that sort of a back background, I think our society puts so much shame upon women with regard to like being sexual beings. And yeah. it really is giving us the message that sex is for the pleasure of the man yeah. <laughs> and not for the women's. And so I just felt like it was such a great thing to kind of show this moment in her life with so much honesty. It was really raw, and it was like, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect. There's nothing wrong with it, yeah. with you. Yeah. But you're gonna grow. You're gonna grow, and it's a, it's a journey, and you haven't lost anything. Having sex doesn't make you less of something. The purity can have a certain idolatry too. It's it's yeah. something that creates a it's yoked to your value. And so mm -hmm. to kind of disassociate like mm -hmm. yeah. Jane's value as a woman from like having that purity, I yeah. think was really important because yeah. people are more than just that, more right. than just sexual beings. And yeah. yeah, no, that's actually one thing that I appreciated the most. That I felt like that was one of the most realistic moments. One of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast is because we were hearing stories about like women that grew up so much in purity culture mm -hmm. that they would get married and be nauseous for six months when they were having sex with their husbands because they were like so like shut down their whole lives and like and repressed defense mechanism yeah. you know right but also I, not healthy right <laughs> totally not healthy. not healthy totally not healthy <laughs> we had a whole episode called shame just uh maybe like a month and a half ago and we talked about that like you know, there are so many people having sex before marriage, even within the church. But mm -hmm. for those that are caught up in the shame culture because their identity is swept one way or the other, you know, like, how do you deal with it? And we're also getting married later. It's like, how do you deal with all of these? Like, we are sexual beings, right. but that's not all we are, too. Mm -hmm. And God loves us regardless, virgin, no virgin, whatever, married, right. single, whatever. And... Um, I think we have lost a lot of that messaging of like the root of it is that God loves you and God made you and right. God 
you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so many people, like there's just so many um, mixed messaging about what your sexuality places of how your sexuality places a value on you and right. how to integrate it yeah and yeah. um and, and the fact that there i think it would be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that the value that is placed on you is very different if you're a woman or a man oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh, so yeah. even sure. within yeah. church cultures right. like, yeah. i feel like there's a there's an absolute um Double standard. Yeah, <laughs> standard. There's a lot of grace for men that make mistakes, right. or oh, yeah. or it's like the women's fault because Absolutely. yeah, like, you, you didn't and, draw exactly. the line. And, yeah, yeah. Or, or men are are more sexual than women, which I don't think is actually true, but that's fine. And so it's our fault because we know how to control ourselves. Right. Men don't. Like, why are we the Absolutely. Of the boundary. Right. The right. responsibility of yeah. sexuality, again, is, mm-hmm. is always yeah. placed on the woman, the onus, the, mm-hmm. the person who's going to have the baby, raise the baby, keep or not keep the baby. You know what I mean? It's it's like, oh, well, the guy did his deed, and so right. and can and touch his, boys will be boys. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's baloney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe actually we appreciate, like, Michael's storyline in, the, in the, the first season where he went back and forth because, like, initially, like, he is very against it and like he didn't want to take responsibility but like then you, you realize that there was more to like their relationship there was more to like just this uh, I want to be with you I yeah. want to raise this child with you and I want to take responsibility and then he ends you. up being more yeah. like like in the before they got married they were there was a scene where they were making out and he's like I can't wait and she's like, oh, for the sex? And he's like, no, to be married to you. Yeah, and so, like, he ends up being, yeah. like, more, kind, in a way, value, more valuing more, like, the, her as a person and marriage yeah. and what that will right. yeah. bring. Sex is definitely, we can turn it into, like, an idol, you know? But I, so I, piggybacking on that, can I, I don't, don't want to be, like, competitive or anything. <laughs> but, um... Uh, but I will say that I feel like the show also, in a way, turned sex into an idol in a weird way, in a way that I didn't expect, because, well, first of all, and I guess full disclosure, so I am a person waiting for marriage, like I am a virgin and I'm 33, and I didn't feel like Jane, before marriage, really ever had very deep or true-to-life reasons, because I feel like if you are going to be making that choice you're going to have thought about it a lot and and have like logical reasons and reasons for yourself and like lots of lots of things um as opposed to just like the scene as opposed like, oh, to like one to thing yeah which i'm sure she does but it's not ever explicitly said yeah that no. yeah but then when she did get married, you know, and everyone, you know, this, there, and I, I love, like, the fantastical elements on the show. Like, I love it. And I love the show. I want to say that. But then, like, having everyone, like, you can have sex now. It made it feel like it was kind of reducing marriage down to, like, a permission slip in a way. Like, oh, you've been a good girl, so now you can have sex. Rather than the way that I kind of view marriage, which is, like, I'm making the choice, but it's not really for shame reasons or fear reasons. Like, I don't feel like, you know, like, because I, I believe in God's mercy and forgiveness if I did quote unquote mess up or, you know, but it's more like I want to grow in virtue to be a whole person and to give myself to another person 
right in marriage you know and so uh, I kind of just wanted to bring that up <laughs> I hear that I hear that I'm not going to respond to that in the context of the show because I, I don't know that I know how to but yeah. I do want to respond I do want to respond because I do feel like I hear that <laughs> I don't want to do right. that and I also feel like there's a very dangerous culture in the church too that puts so much pressure on the act of, sexu- of, mm, of yeah. sex that I think a lot of relationships are like ramrodded into marriage yeah. really early in an unhealthy way so that people can have sex. Yeah. And then people yeah. are in marriages that that shouldn't be in marriages. Yeah, because that right. was like their total totally. ideal about like, oh, we're going to get married quickly. To and, have sex. And then, yeah, and yeah. I think it gets back to what you were saying, just like the holisticness of um, marriage has kind of been lost. Not not just like not to attack Jane the Virgins per se, right. but yeah. just like I'm not trying to tell I guess, no, so. I know, I know. <laughs> and and, that, and that's what I'm general, saying. Yeah. I feel like it's it's we can't really pin that on the show because totally, yeah, I think it's yeah. actually a cultural phenomenon. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. like you yeah. know, communities of faith. Right. You know, yeah. uh, um, and in a very real way, it was depicted as such because of that. Like we, it's because that's like reality. probably her like subconscious, like, like yeah. a representation of her subconscious. Like yeah. you know, which which I totally recognize is an aspect of it. Yeah, it's just though if I could have my wish, <laughs> and like maybe someday I'll have my show <laughs> where I can, you know, I I always wanted Jane to express kind of I I just kind of always wondered what was going on with her because she's a smart character she I I know you know she thinks deeply about things right and I just kind of felt like it was a little bit incongruous a little bit to for her to think deeply about a lot of areas of her life and then not really have any uh, other reasons, reasons beyond, well, my or grandma, least, I made Well, I mean, I, I absolutely think that, I, I think we, do, we have the flashbacks mm-hmm. in, the, in the beginning, and I think that, you know, it's not just a flashback to the flower. I think we see a lot of moments where, like, she really is a little Alba <laughs> in a lot of ways. She can be in, in ways that are good and ways that are bad. She can be very sanctimonious and very yeah, judgmental yeah. as well, and that's part of her character sure. flaw that gets her into, like, situations, yeah. you know, and she makes assumptions about people yeah. because she thinks she's always right. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that it's trite, and I don't think that it's not that she's thought it thought about it I think she's had a lot of opportunities to see how her mom has lived Mm -hmm. how her mom has dated Mm -hmm. and all of those things have impacted the way that she's chosen to live her life so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's so much reflected Mm -hmm. in in the pilot but I actually I really do feel like Mm -hmm. over the course of the season we've kind of touched on some of those touchstone moments and things that would impact that so I don't it is absolutely primarily based on this really pivotal moment in her life that impacted her in a really powerful way but I also think it's in the ways that she watched Zoe work out dating life and and how Mm -hmm. she watched Zoe interact with her dad who was married five Mm -hmm. times Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean Mm -hmm. and and Lena who is a very different kind of a friend you know yeah. what I mean who's yeah. kind of racy and bold and whatever right. and Jane is like very pent up and she's mm-hmm. she wants to do it right and yeah. so I feel like it's just who she is quintessentially right um so I feel like I, I I don't know if it's really that complex for her I I also don't think it's 
like one-sided. I don't think yeah. it's just about the promise. It's it's really about who she's become, yeah. you know, since she had that interaction with Alba. And I also think that she is incredibly fortunate because she winds up having to choose between these two men who are totally respectful yeah. of yeah. her decision, you know? Yeah. And she's also pregnant and about to have a baby. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, that the JJ has not seen any action. <laughs> First bit of action is going to see right. is my baby. So yes. what? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so right. like, right. that's the whole thing. She yeah. didn't right. choose to be like right. totally. the virgin, the yeah. immaculate yeah. 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 virgin. So I think, yeah, all of those things are really, you know, kind of complicated factors that yeah. come into play. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then she does make a decision later on to, like, after she has been married and has had sex, and then when Michael, spoiler alert, dies. This whole thing is a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all yeah. <laughs> thing. And then decides to go ahead and sleep with somebody. Hook up with them. Yeah, like, what, what was the decision process, like, from a character base? Was it just about... Her journey? Yeah, like, just... just audience wants to know, you know. <laughs> this is a harder one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we just didn't want to make it a big deal okay. again. Yeah. Because like, that's already been played out. Yeah. And now um, it's more about her. Well, now what is, what is it for, for Jane now? Well, I just want to add a little bit more to, to sure, that please. previous answer. We just don't, uh, we have played out like all of those all of those feelings and concerns yeah. and shame and all of those things surrounding sexuality. So I think that's why it was kind of interesting that she was going to be with someone who'd had a lot of sex and then was re-virginizing mm-hmm. himself. So so all of a sudden she was kind of in the role of like that that pursuer, that person that's like trying to deflower the other yeah. person. But <laughs> that's good TV, guys. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, I think that you know we we didn't want to make it as big of a deal, but obviously it is a big deal for her. So sure. she thinks that she can live a certain way, and then of course she takes those steps and she realizes that's not who I am. You know what I mean? But we thought we just thought that that journey was worth taking with her. That's great mm-hmm. that realization. Yeah. So is do you would you say that? she's kind of like on a journey of sexual liberation now or is she still figuring things out or is it I think she just wants to find that telenovela love that she's always dreamed of (laughs) and that we do and she is a romantic and she wants the whole thing and she had it with Michael and you know the great thing is that like I'm so team Michael I'm sorry yeah I'm not going to say. I'm just going to, but, you know, it's hard because she did it, she did everything right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I also appreciate her, her spiritual journey in the aftermath of Michael's death because she's like, but I did everything right. Yeah. And yeah. still died. Like, how could God do this to me, you know? And that's yeah. just. That's real. Life. Yeah. <laughs> that's life. Just because when you follow the rules doesn't mean that, like, we get the perfect outcome. But she still believes in that perfect outcome. She dreams in that, and she's invested in that. And I think sexuality aside, this show is about her, you know, moving forward, finding that joy again, hopefully, and finding that fair, that fairy tale. I think that's what yeah. she wants, what the audience wants. And yeah, yeah, yeah definitely the audience. She it's finds like, it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, dang, this is like... <laughs> It's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> like well, a, he, no, I mean, like, in terms of watching your favorite. With way less sex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think going back to what you were saying, just, like, she is, for better and for worse, like, it's still faith. Like, like we keep saying, like, she has this, maybe it's, maybe not to call it a fantasy, but she does have this idea of what, like, love is. And I love that even through, like, all the tragedy, like, she still has that unwavering, and there's bumps in the road, of course, but that unwavering faith that there's going to be this great love out there still, you know, and, and in a lot of ways that does speak to a faith perspective, you know, mm-hmm. like she, that's that kind of, I mean, would you say that's what grounds her? I mean, her family probably is the, the reason that grounds her, but she's, her journey is still, it still walks towards like whatever tomorrow brings despite yeah, I mean, absolutely. There, I think there's there are a lot of things that ground her. Being a mother now yeah. is a is a really big thing, and it changes her life. And I, I think course, it, it's yeah. it's gonna affect how she lives her life and makes decisions. It already does. But absolutely, I, I just think that's that's just what we love about this character is that she is so optimistic and she's so joyful. Yeah. And you know, her life is really imperfect. But she can still find the joy and the beauty in life mm-hmm. and moments and family. And it's about things that matter to people, you know, yeah. um, about human connection and forgiveness and all mm-hmm. of those things. What do you personally love about the show and like would love writing about the show? and? Wow, I mean, I just, I love, I love Tina Rodriguez. <laughs> I love seeing somebody that looks like me. Yeah, um, yeah. I love seeing a, a, a family that looks like my family, and I like that it's not, it's not a thing, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not the thing that the yeah. show is about, they're just right. like, they're just people. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they just right. to be. Yeah. And, I mean, I just feel like I can relate to this character on so many levels. I mean, being a writer, being mm-hmm. a Latina, being in, mm-hmm. in this sort of a family, I, unfortunately, have never been torn between two great loves <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Hunky men. So, well, there's that. That's kind of disappointing. It just, like, really <laughs> brings, brings it all home. I just think that she's very warm and relatable and accessible and I I met a young woman who I was a big fan of the show and she she had told me and this was sadly before Michael died she just like the show has just restored my faith in romantic love oh no <laughs> you ruined her dreams yeah. now well I, I hope <laughs> I hope that we can still fulfill that promise but I think that you yeah. know for a very young generation of viewers that is watching this show I hope that it is offering like what's becoming a very countercultural idea right. about love that like there can yeah. be romantic love and that there can be chastity and, and, there, and that relationships don't have to be all about sex <laughs> you know yeah, they, that right. they're about deeper things mm-hmm. and so I think that's what's really awesome about this show that you know relationships are about more meaningful things than just you know the superficialities of, yeah. of sex well said mm-hmm. for sure yeah what are the challenges you found presenting sexuality on network tv and the responsibility as a writer, as a content creator, have and and especially as a, a believer, I mean, maybe those are two different answers, but mm-hmm. of your responsibility in depicting sexuality on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, standards and practices mm. pretty much make those decisions for us in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. So there's not a lot of leeway in terms of what we're really showing on sure. um, on this network. Um, you know, I think that that's a little bit, I feel like there's an answer that people want me to give, which is that like, I'm gonna write things in a very chaste way, but I feel like, look, if you read the Bible, there's rape, there oh, are orgies, yeah. oh, there's yeah, the yeah. whole it's freaking disgusting. deal, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I feel like people have to decide for themselves yep. what their boundaries are, what their limits mm-hmm. are, what's healthy for them, and, per, and, and what's not, and I think I, as a creative individual, who I'm trying to tell a story, have to decide what is going to be best for the integrity of that story. Yeah. And so I certainly think that there are a lot of gratuitous things on Game of Thrones. Sure. And I'm not watching it for the right for yeah. the sex per se, but sure. I love that show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't oh. love that show? So right. yeah. even though it can be really disturbing, but I think I can handle it. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, so that's what I'm saying. About the Bible, I mean, I think all of us who are writers uh, or, you know, like are in the industry that are Christian are like, man, if the Bible were just made into like the Game of Thrones series, but like yeah. the Bible, like it would, it would show up Game of Thrones. <laughs> it really would. It would be sure. pretty effed up, you guys. It really <laughs> would. Like, it really would. Yeah. He'd be like... Let's go. Yeah, I know. And I mean, then, Game, I'm gonna kill your husband. Yeah, it's just like a yeah. Hot mess. And Game of Thrones yeah. thinks it's all cool with like it's incest, but read the Bible. Let no, me tell and you. actually, yeah, I was reading someone. I don't remember exactly, but someone brought this point up on Facebook that there's been recently this whole, at least on Catholic Facebook, of like every time Game of Thrones comes out, every new season, it's like, is Game of Thrones porn? Are we allowed to watch it? Like, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And there's like all these different camps and everything. Right. And so like. Many more conservative Catholics say it's porn, you shouldn't watch it. I'm not in that camp because it's like like you're saying, I'm not watching it for right. that. And like, I don't, you know, it's like, yeah, it's gratuitous, but like, it's not going to ruin my life to watch it. And like, right. you know, like I, I can handle it. And right. I'm also, why would you be more scandalized by the sex than like the murder? You know, I don't yeah. know. There's like that question. For sure. You know, but somebody, that all brings me to this point that somebody brought up that's like, it seems like especially when we're talking about Christian colleges and universities that it's acceptable or the Bible it's acceptable to read stuff that is scandalous and dirty as long as it's so old that you don't understand it but then when it's like put into (laughs) your no it's just like that seems to be the thought process of Mm. you know oh yeah yeah, yeah, you know what I mean but it's like when it's put in a context that you can kind of understand or access then that's when it gets like oh scandalous my child can't read this you know because this was all like Mm-hmm. in a greater conversation about like what can be taught what yeah. should be taught like what literature should be taught at Christian colleges and Catholic colleges and yeah. stuff <sighs> I can't you guys well you were, <laughs> you were oh. telling me about a friend who went to school that took a film class and they couldn't see but they weren't allowed to watch like beyond PG. PG so can you imagine getting, getting a film degree and not having seen Godfather yeah like right that doesn't that doesn't work yeah no you. that's it's not it's it's silly. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> it's silly. We operate in a world. Right. Yeah. We're living I, in the world. And I yeah. think that that that's the problem. It's far. I think it. It's just. I think that that kind that is very dangerous. Yeah. yeah. I think it's very dangerous. I think it's it creates communities that are very insular, and I find that problematic. And so yeah. I mean, people at Biola keep asking me to speak, and I'm like, okay, but I'm just. I know I'm going to offend you guys on <laughs> any minute because I just feel like... <laughs> just waiting for another shoe to drop. Yeah. 
and you're gonna be pissed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I just feel like you know we cannot shield ourselves yeah. from the world and from brokenness and from sin and from all of right. that. We can we can make choices that don't put us in situations yeah. that are unhealthy for us, right. and that is wise. Okay. But to think that we're not gonna have to encounter these things is naive and foolish. Yeah, and it is. Um, I don't think it creates people who are like spiritually strong or wise or relevant. Yeah. yeah. You know, how can I speak Jesus to somebody? How can I minister to their brokenness if I'm not willing to understand that? And I think the thing about Jesus was he was radical. He was countercultural. Oh, yeah. He was not a Pharisee. He was the guy who was sitting at the well talking to Hooker about yeah. her life and her relationships, and he yeah. was getting his hands dirty. Yeah. And I think that in a lot of ways, the problem that is crippling the church is that we can't do that. We're so busy with our sanctimony yeah. that we can't Amen. experience life with people. Yeah. And so we're becoming obsolete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah, it's like if we are incapable, it will, if we try to sanitize the human experience, yeah. We will be incapable of engaging with yeah, the you're world Ill because you can't yeah. sanitize right. the human experience. Like no matter how much you try. Yeah. Right. And there's and the the whole it's like a dog chasing its tail. Like yeah. we needed God to enter the world because mm -hmm. we were broken. Mm -hmm. If we can do it ourselves, then we don't need him. Right. So what's the point? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know? So get a grip, know that you're not gonna get it right. Don't force that 20-year-old kid to marry that girl to have sex so that he can be in a broken marriage for the rest of his life. That doesn't make yeah, sense. Right. So, yeah. 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 That was my soapbox moment. No, no. No, it's great. Yeah, we're on that board with you. Okay. on board. 100% on board. But yeah, it's true. And I also think that if you truly believe in the truth of your faith, you're going to be able to encounter things that are not that and still not have to run away in fear because you're yeah. being threatened. But instead engage. But, but engage, yeah. Right. And like sometimes even encountering things that are not your faith, that are different points of view, will even make you stronger. You mm -hmm. know, will give you more yeah. reasons to believe in what you believe and everything like that. But it's yeah. like just running away from it. It's yeah. like, I mean, I don't have kids yet, but I'm just talking to some parents and maybe you can chime in on this. But instead of doing what my parents did, which is like, don't do this, but then like, because I say so. Oh, you can't see that because it's rated R. Instead yeah. of, you know, not... Why thinking, is this? Yeah, like, right. I wasn't allowed to watch certain shows. Right. And it, it, if anything, it made me more curious and what, when I wanted to go sneak off to my friend's house to go watch it because it's like, why not? Like, right. I think it would have been more productive. I love you, Mom and Dad, but it would have been more productive for them to, like, okay, you're really curious, let's sit down and watch it together and then let's discuss it because right. it, instead I watched it anyway and right. then formed my own opinions about what that was. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating because yeah. I feel like as a mother, my, my daughter's 12 and my son is eight. Just this week we were reading this article about the fact that teenagers are having less sex, they're mm -hmm. dating less, they're driving less, they're not getting jobs, they're basically deferring adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you would think that that's something to be excited about as a parent, but really what it's, it's not exciting because it's showing us that in a way we're, we're using, we're losing some of our humanity. Yeah. Um, they're, they don't know how to engage with other human beings. So right. instead they're in front of a screen and they're, oh, yeah. they don't know how to function. And I don't, 
I'm like, I don't know what they do then with all of that sexual anxiety, whatever. Like, that's concerning too, but it's, I think it's far more important to be having, to be engaging and having conversations and be pushing our young people out into the world and helping them understand the world and wanting to live in it in a way that's healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Then just shutting down yeah yeah that that's just that's not and also being open to be able to discuss with them those things do either of your children i mean obviously he was on set but does he watch do either of them watch jane the virgin no they don't (laughs) that was my question by choice yeah that's fine Um, but it's i mean i do think that um well let's see my i would i would allow my daughter to watch it if if she want maybe <laughs> I mean cuz obviously I mean I know we're saying all this like you know sure. we can't suppress people but of course there's a there's a There is certain, a line. Yeah, yeah there's uh, a I age think maybe limit. when she's 13, 12 is a little early for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think also um my my daughter she's really good at self-censorship so sure. she knows what she can't watch like mm-hmm. she, she can't the idea of watching gremlins just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm freaks her out like so much i'm like come on we can do it you can do it <laughs> i really think you can handle this this is <laughs> really cute i know <laughs> well then that was my question because i'm mean, either way how do you as a parent if i may ask how do you talk to them about your work and like how do you introduce in a healthy way of like yes one day you can watch this but these are the reasons why we're gonna kind of wait like Right. I mean, I think she isn't she isn't showing a particular intrigue in it, so I haven't had to have that conversation. Sweet. At the okay. same time, <laughs> you're like I, <laughs> at the same time, my daughter asked me, you know, um, what's an abortion? And ah, yeah. so, yeah. Actually, she asked my husband, and and then he told me what she said, and I said, "You did it wrong." So <laughs> oh, no. I was like, "If that's what what she thinks, you," she's like, "So we're." on the side of people that kill the babies and I was like you did it wrong <laughs> oh, no. so um so then I I had another very lengthy conversation and she, about how very complicated that subject is yeah what I did was present her both sides yeah all the reasons why people why people do it and why people think that you shouldn't and I made it an issue of like state versus choice and um and then I left it there. I didn't yeah. give her a judgment. I she told her what I believed. Right. But she can, like, have her own... Yeah, but I think she yeah. needs to discover what she believes. She, I don't want her to just be someone who believes everything that I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Or at least have a critical... A, a way to critically think through. Right. And things. so, yeah. it's like, here are, here are the sides, and this is what I think. Yeah. Enjoy the journey. <laughs> Figuring out Figure abortion. Figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Small topic. No. Yeah. So and, anyway, and then yeah. when we're dealing with media, for example, I yeah. mean, I think personally as a, as a parent, as a writer, I feel like it's so exciting when I can right. watch something and, and I can ask her questions and engage her intellect and and have conversations that my parents weren't having with me. I find that yeah. really thrilling. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think she likes that too. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really great. And, and, and I think we do that. If... We're listening to Ed Sheeran, and he's he's singing about like, I'm in love with the shape of you. <laughs> we turn off the radio and we have a conversation about whether that makes sense. If you can love the shape of a person, mm. what is that about? Yeah, it's about a physical body. Is that love? We will pose mm. that question. We literally have this conversation. We're like, so do you That's think so that good. you can love the shape of a person? But what is he saying? What yeah. is he saying? Okay, well. 
the reason that he's saying that is because our culture values this and we we say that women are only valuable as sexual beings but is that true yeah. are you just a sexual being no you're smart you're beautiful you're smart you're all these other things so we yeah. are very intentional when, when we see the messaging yeah. that our kids are getting if it's not the messaging that, that we want we're not just going to tell them that messaging is wrong but we want to engage them in a conversation about that messaging and help them come to their own conclusion with yeah. a little bit of that yeah <laughs> i think that's own. like a great picture of like what we should do as adults as churchgoers as faith people of faith especially as content creators like they're in this industry just being willing to have the critical thinking conversations with other people right and then especially with topics like sexuality and faith which there's so many you know there's so many ways it could go controversial but I really appreciate Jane the Virgin for even introducing this concept into mainstream because Mm -hmm. you know regardless of how religious or not religious or how true to Catholicism it is or, or not, like at least it's this entry point of a discussion sure. that yeah. is not even really being had being right. had in mainstream period. Yeah. So for that, I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, and, and yeah. actually too, we got a couple comments of like, well, the way it depicts Catholicism is kind of like superstitious and loony and, you know, a little bit just kind of illogical and weird but at the same time I also also appreciate a that it's a comedy and b that looking at the other representations of Catholicism in the media in general like actually there are people that you can empathize with on tv on network tv that do have faith you know and that in itself is kind of a big thing that in itself is a miracle but yeah I mean it's a telenovela and it's super broad right exactly (laughs) it's not yeah and and guys it's not real yeah (laughs) but it it opens a door to conversations I mean it's like the whole Noah controversy when Noah came out it's like oh this is wrong and like because the Bible says, and I'm like, oh great, you go figure it out. You go read the go Bible. read the Bible. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you know, people are up in arms, and I get it. I like, I sympathize with that, but at the same time, it's like this is pushing people to actually see what is really depicted in scripture, or questioning things, or whatever. So you know, there's always two sides to it, and I'm on the side of if it's at least making an entry point into mainstream, like that's at least the starting point for conversation. And I think that is better than just holding my Bible and thumping people on the head. Absolutely. And I think, again, like there's such a danger to over-spiritualizing and there's a dishonesty sometimes to like how we portray our faith. I'm going to just share an anecdote about another writer, a Christian writer who I was on a panel with and he talked about he has had a very successful feature career and he was hired by a Christian company to write about this Christian married couple. They had to have some kind of conflict. (laughs) And then he was like, you know, they're having a really big problem in their marriage and it's a conflict. And then they're like, he was like, okay, so he cheated on her. No, 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 he, he can't cheat on her. Oh, right, okay, so they he, can't do anything <laughs> bad. And he's like, so, he can't watch, you know, but it's like, okay, so he's not a human being and there's really not, they're perfect and there's really no conflict and it's, yeah. Yeah. this isn't real. And he, ironically, he felt like, he's like, it was the first time in my career that I felt like I was being asked to lie mm-hmm. as a writer, to like not have integrity and not be truthful about like, ironic because it was a presumably a christian yeah it yeah. was but there and i feel like 
there is that way that in a lot of ways we are so glorifying purity that we're like very dishonest about mm -hmm. our humanity. And I think, again, that doesn't serve us very, very yeah. well. Well, hence why we started this podcast, mm -hmm. because we wanted to explore those other variations of how people look at their sexuality, how people look at relationship, how people look at how they live their lives in 2017 in view of what their understanding of scripture is. And mm -hmm. sometimes I don't, I think it's like, it's, it's hard to just argue the symptoms of wrong or right in your sexuality, whatever that means to you. But going back to, well, this is what scripture says. I mean, first and foremost, God loves you. Mm -hmm. There is grace. And if we're just pointing fingers to like what you're doing wrong, like that's not going to save anybody. That's not right. going to help anybody. Yeah, like there's a huge, gosh, uh, I can't even talk about how angry I am right now about the policing on social media, especially of trying to point fingers and get people to admit what they've done or like where they're at and they're, you know, I mean, Facebook is ridiculous. It's really, it really is ridiculous. Oh and it's like, I mean, yes. at the end of the day, I think it's a, it serves us a lot more to emphasize the positives of what we believe mm -hmm. than, you know, worry about if someone is, another person is sinning like yeah you know sure. it's just like who's that gonna help you know yeah. to it, I just also feel like that's just it, it, it's very counter to what the scripture yeah teaches us right about having a dynamic life of faith yeah and even so like as a catholic we have this tradition of church teaching but it, it ultimately comes back to the law of love and and human dignity mm -hmm. and and treating another person with the dignity and respect that they deserve just by being a creation of God yeah you know right. and that's ultimately like what the teaching of chastity is all about and it's not so much about like well what are the lines that you crossed and like right. when and with who and you know how many times and right you know, or it's at least not supposed to be you know yeah. you I missed mean, the point already <laughs> if that's what you're saying yeah. like how far can I go you've missed the point of chastity right yeah yeah because it's right. it's ultimately about your heart your heart and respecting another person and, and you know not letting yourself being be totally just whipped around by your passions yeah you know self-control yeah the spirit right right yeah. so yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've been talking for an hour. Yeah. So, so is there like oh, yeah, okay. is there like a final thought you'd like to or give any, us? Uh, or anything you can give us? I mean, I, I know you hammered for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I will just say that for those people who love the optimism and the joy of Jane that this is going to be a season where she really finds that joy again and Yay. it's not that's such a good favor to the audience because we're seriously <laughs> watching season three it's like really season three was rough guys it was real well it was real it was pain yeah it was real hard. but sometimes it's just like you want to come home at the end of the day well because my job i'm a spanish interpreter like that's my day job and so like sometimes i see like children die for example so like at the end of the day i don't want to come home and also like oh, well <laughs> so yes. it'll be a bigger payoff like you have to wait for the yeah. entire whole yeah I know. absolutely yeah. anyway if for, i think for those those people they're gonna be they're gonna be very pleased if if those people that like went dark and <laughs> died, like come back because i think that 
people will fall in love all over again with the okay. show for the, for the same reasons they fell in love mm-hmm. in the beginning. Oh. And, and I think it's going to be really delightful. Yay! <laughs> That's good to hear. That's a great new yeah. time, Don. Yeah. Oh. So, fantastic. Valentina, thank you so much for having us in your home. Yes. And you. thank you to your neighbor who provided some background music. Yeah. I <laughs> love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Def Leppard and such. Really created the ambiance yeah. for us. He's and not a lover of love like our fans, <laughs> but that's okay. Love and, my neighbor. Uh, thank you to Menage a Trois for thank providing you. their silk soft red blend. Yeah, highly recommend. Highly recommend. <laughs> California 2015. <laughs> very good, very good. So awesome. Um, Thank you guys. Fantastic. Yeah. We look forward to Jane the Virgin yeah. in October of this year. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned for Jane the Virgin season four. Yes, and for more joy. More joy. More okay. joy. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Lars Sanders Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. And until next time, keep swimming.